Welcome to episode 21 of the Magical Disneyland Paris podcast, all things magical and Disneyland Paris. I'm Andrew Williamson and I am joined by Simon West. Hello again. Hello, Simon. Each Magical Disneyland Paris podcast episode will have a different focus, be it an attraction, restaurant or special element of the Disneyland Paris world. This episode we are focusing on Indiana Jones et la Temple de Perel. We will also hand over to you, the listener, and discuss your views and opinions. Um, I nearly stuttered and I nearly went wrong on that entrance already. Um, <laughs> how many times have I done it now? 21. I should really know what that part of the script is, really, shouldn't I? Oh, it's been a long time since we did an episode, to be fair. It's been a good three months, and the <laughs> last one before that was about six months, so... The gap's getting smaller. It's good. We're improving. Hey, brilliant. Um, yeah, back to a good old roller coaster. It's been a while. It Going has up. indeed been a while. Um, Crush's Coaster before Café de Cascadeur. Yeah, and I think Crush's Coaster was... Uh, I mean, it was probably in, like, 2002 we did that podcast. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's it's high time we get back to the, the really thrilling stuff. It is. Um, there's loads and loads of stuff to talk about, so we're going to get straight in there. Uh, so, yeah, Indiana Jones, El Temple du Perel. We're just going to call it Indy or Indiana Jones uh, throughout the episode because I don't want to have to say that over and over oh, and over again. Oh, the embarrassment of our French accents. <laughs> I could always uh, find a recording of somebody saying it who is French and just kind of, I was going to say Photoshop, but we could just chop that in there, paste it in. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, obviously a lot of you uh, who are listening to this podcast will know that it is based in Adventureland at Disneyland Park in Disneyland Paris. Opened on the 30th of July 1993. Um, there's lots to talk about the history of the attraction. Um, there's so many cool little stories and little tidbits that we would like to uh, talk about to begin with. Um, created by Intamin Worldwide, who is a Swiss company, uh, designed by Walt Disney Imagineering. Um, they put all the the final Disney magic touches on there. Um, the original idea was that the guests are taken on an adventure riding in a mining train through a lost temple. Um, like to give all these statistics out first before we get into the actual stories. So yeah, to be on the to ride the attraction, you need to be one meters forty. I believe that at the time, and I don't know if it still is, uh, is the biggest requirement height wise. Um, so yeah, if you're a short ass, you can't ride the attraction. <laughs> but you'll probably be able to ride over attractions at other Disney parks. Uh, it stands at 59 feet, and its length is 2,000 feet, and its maximum speed is up to 36 miles per hour, which does seem a lot faster when you are on the attraction. Um, it really does. Time-wise, it's quite a short one, really, at 1 minute and 15. So, the original plans. Um, Indiana Jones wasn't there at the start of the park opening was it simon so can you tell us how did it appear in the park well i mean the the park opened in 1992 um and you've got to think back then they really didn't have that many sort of big attractions to to really pull people in they had big thunder mountain um other than that well that was about the only roller coaster let's discount casey jr because it's a it's a little one they didn't have space mountain and that wouldn't be coming for another five or so years um, so Euro Disney, who owned the park at the time, thought, "Oh dear, well we need to we need to get a big a big crowd pleasing roller coaster in," um, and so Indy became a sort of stopgap solution to basically bring in some crowds with a roller coaster uh, before they could finally finish building Space Mountain, which was very very expensive and was taking quite a long time. Yeah. Now, obviously, the the idea was with the capacity of the park 
well, lots and lots of guests and lots of visitors. The numbers were going up. Um, but there was also financial problems, as we've discussed many a time on this podcast over the episodes over the years. They wanted, they wanted, they needed something, like you said, to like kind of get more people off the path, off the streets, as so to speak, and onto different attractions. So this was something: get a roller coaster, put it in the uh, expansion pad in Adventureland, and get it sorted. Um, obviously, if things were all rosy and we had billions of euros, as we do now, then we would have a totally different attraction, wouldn't we? Yeah, definitely. So the original idea, um, and Tony Baxter's talked about this quite a few times, um, basically the expansion pad just sort of up from Adventureland and across from Pirates of the Caribbean, that would be a proper land there, proper Indiana Jones-themed land. Um, There's a lot of rumours going around about what may or may not have been um, designed to go there, a lot of talk about the Indiana Jones adventure, the enhanced motion vehicle attraction that Disneyland California and Tokyo Disneyland has, a lot of talk about that going in that space uh, alongside a roller coaster and that roller coaster initially was going to be based on the Temple of Doom and that famous minecart sequence from that um, you'd basically you'd board a minecart, it would be a part um, sort of dark ride, indoor show building roller coaster, part outside, you'd go around a temple, you'd be you know chased by boulders, all these sorts of things, uh, a real proper e-ticket roller coaster, you know of the ilk of Big Thunder Mountain or Space Mountain. Obviously, that's... Well, it's not what we got, is it? <laughs> no, um, nowhere near. Not not anywhere near. Uh, they needed they needed a roller coaster that was going to be an awful lot cheaper than that, so effectively, they basically bought this one that was a sort of off-the-shelf design, so to speak. It didn't need to be as Space Mountain or Big Thunder did. It didn't need to be uh, fully you know, designed from scratch in terms of the layout. Um, and then they shoved it in. They definitely did show it. <laughs> um, so yeah, I was just reading before um, a really good article on the website you sent me, Simon, parkvault.net, um, an article from 2016. They uh, talk a lot about some of the stuff we're going to mention tonight on the episode. Um, yeah, they just I was fascinated to know that it was basically built so quickly um, that it was kind of t- classed as a, like a temporary attraction. So it, what the, the idea was that it wasn't going to be there for many, many years, maybe five years maximum at the time. Um, so they started um, by clearing the area and just poured one massive, giant concrete base uh, rather than putting the pillars and the steel structure into the ground and some concrete in it and all that kind of stuff. They created the base full of concrete. Um, obviously, it didn't take as long to dry. They then just bolted the uprights straight to that concrete rather than kind of burying it into, into the ground. Um, so they kind of didn't cut corners, so to speak, but they used a lot of techniques um, to, to to speed up the time that it would take to build the attraction. Um, they then had to find ways of like hiding the uh, concrete. So there's apparently lots of uh, gravel and lots of shillies. We call them shillies. I don't know if you call them shillies. Um, <laughs> lots of gravel uh, to cover and lots of theming to cover what is a temporary structure. Um, I just find it fascinating. I know times were hard um, and capacity needed to be increased in the park. But I just find it amazing that, that Disney were happy to put in a temporary attraction, in inverted commas, because uh, it's still there now. Yeah, it's it's a really interesting sort of genesis this ride has, because effectively the, the original track layout and the original design comes from a company called Pinfari, um, which had, I think, virtually ceased trading um, by the time that this this roller coaster was coming about, um, and that was, as you say, it was a it was a temporary roller coaster design. I mean, that's why you know it's it's 
it's a very compact design. You can fit it in a nice little tight rectangle. That's why the uh, the structures that support the ride are this kind of more like scaffolding style rather than um, the sort of large pole and stem style that you'd see on, say, an Intamin or a Vekoma roller coaster. Now, Disney had approached Intamin, and Intamin looked at this design from Pinfari. It's called a Pinfari, uh, I think it's called a TL-59, yeah, something like that, which means like the loop, and then the 59 is the, the gauge of the track, uh, or the height of it, maybe. Um, and Intamin, they toyed around with the with the sort of layout a little bit, so they uh, removed uh, a, a couple of sort of weird drop and travel sequences they put in some extra block break sequences so that you could run more trains on it um and they they sort of i think they replaced the track design to a more sort of intimate standard design um so that you know it it wasn't completely a temporary roller coaster but it was i mean it was effectively a temporary roller coaster with a couple of different bolt-ons changed uh, and as we yeah, as we continue to talk through the history of this roller coaster, um, some problems started to arise from it later on. As uh, well, you can't have a temporary roller coaster be operating for so many years with such a high you know guest turnover using it as Disney parks have, um, without a few problems cropping up. Uh, it's interesting that the capacity issue that you raised. Um, obviously, Disney they definitely did want capacity while uh, they were having people come to their park and they only had one big roller coaster. Um, Obviously, when you do things on the cheap, though, you never get really high-capacity roller coasters. Um, so, initially in 1993, when this opened, the trains were smaller than they are now. So, there were still two cars per train, but each car could actually only hold four people. So, you could only have eight people on the entire train. Uh, they were also running uh, an Intamin spec um, ride control system. Uh, which is unusual for Disney because normally uh, Disney Imagineering has their own ride control system that's more synced to show elements, um, which obviously there, there aren't really many nope. show elements uh, on Indiana Jones, and that kind of explains it. And so capacity for the ride actually, well, it, it wasn't that huge, and there were very long queues because of that. Um, but yeah, as you say, they had to do something on the cheap, and this was sort of the best they could do. <laughs> um, you started talking about problems that would arise in the future, and obviously we'll go on to this later on in more detail, but there was a massive refurb in 2014. Um, kind of fitting to talk a little bit about it now, though. That all happened, really, and it all came about because, like we said, five years was the planned lifespan originally when this attraction was uh, first built in 1993. The, the main temple... Um, which is what the attraction is moving around and you, you're chasing around. The The temple was made out of basically a steel frame and then it was kind of polystyrene basically and a very, very thin layer of uh, cement or very thin layer of concrete sprayed on the side um, which was then painted by the Imagineers. But it wasn't meant to last and obviously with the weather that we've got in France uh, some days it's baking hot, the other days it's freezing cold and there's snow and there's ice and in one day, I think it can go from being 15 degrees, then in the afternoon it's snowing. So all weathers, all climates, obviously it's taken its toll. And now what are we, well, well over 20 years later now. Um, and it's just, yeah, it took its toll, didn't it? Yeah, it really did. Um, so the uh, the attraction's history is interesting and it's, it's quite difficult to really work out um, what was done in each of the sort of two major refurbishments that happened to the ride. Obviously, Disney don't really tell you exactly what's going on because they don't really want anyone to know that this is a temporary attraction that's um, 
has had to have a few changes, basically for safety reasons over time. The two the two major refurbishments were firstly in 2000, uh, which also um, they used as an opportunity to reverse the cars and run Indiana Jones backwards. And then, as you say, in 2014, yeah, very, very difficult to, to work out exactly what the truth of the matter is, because the official line from Disney is that in 2000, they had this marvelous idea that basically they'd increased the capacity of the ride. So they changed the trains. Um, they made them from uh, four to six um, seater cars, uh, which were also lighter and had no padding, as you might notice when you ride the attraction today. And then they, they basically they <laughs> mounted the, uh, the car backwards, the car chassis backwards onto the, um, onto the tracks that sit onto the rails. So then you had Indiana Jones backwards. And the, the story that Disney would officially tell uh, is that, oh, well, to do that, they then uh, they then had to change and reprofile some parts of the track because it would be too uncomfortable for the guests to ride, which I think is I think is true. Um, but there's a sort of less official rumor that, well, because the track was temporary when it was built, it also needed some bits to be changed to make it a little bit stronger. And that's why some bits of it needed to be reprofiled. Um, so that's no one really, I think, knows, certainly in the fan community, exactly what the true story is. Um, the backwards uh, sort of uh, little novelty was changed back in 2004, and then it was 10 years later that we then had this next big refurbishment. Um, Disney's quite good at communicating. Disneyland Paris is quite good at communicating things officially to us nowadays after the 25th anniversary, but before then, uh, their communication, frankly, it sucked. It was really <laughs> difficult to uh, work out what on earth they were doing in any of these refurbishments. And this refurbishment, this 2014 refurbishment for Indy was was very rare at the time. It came before the run of uh, refurbishments in the run-up to the 25th anniversary. Um, and there was almost no communication about it. It's sort of, we knew the ride was going to shut, but they didn't say why. They didn't say really what they were going to be doing to it until it was basically done. So there were lots of rumours going around. Maybe there was going to be new show elements added. Maybe the track was going to be changed. Maybe it was going to go backwards again. Um, and then, of course, when it opened again, virtually nothing had been changed. Um, but as you say, they had actually done loads of work under the hood, so they pretty much entirely rebuilt the temple so that and now it's, it's built of the same material that uh, the rock uh, facade in Cars Land in Disney California Adventure is made out of. So it's that's, that's a proper permanent um, scenery item now. But the other thing they did, they got Vacoma, so that's yet another different... Uh, roller coaster manufacturer to come in and take a look at the track and basically work out whether it was, you know, it was still structurally sound. And Vacoma said, well, basically, yes, it is. The only problem they found was that the loop section of the track uh, that basically hadn't aged too well, and there was a lot of strain being put on that by the fact that they've made these the roller coaster trains bigger, um, and thus probably a little bit heavier. Um, that the, basically the loop couldn't couldn't quite cope with it so in order the, um, to sorry to butt in there sorry I, I think the um might might also help the fact that the guests are probably greedier therefore they're, <laughs> they're heavier as well um, now the disneyland yeah, paris seem to be selling some more food um at the parks and more novelty items that you can eat i just think that maybe that's uh the change of the uh, the weight of the guests maybe to uh, to blame. That's where all the pounds are coming from. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, I, I know uh, I know we're both a fan of uh, Casey's hot dogs. I think everyone else is as well. Um, but yeah, basically, Vacoma came in and they they took a look at this loop and said that's got to be replaced. Um, so they replaced the loop with a 
well, basically an entirely different structure of track. It's now the same structure of track that Expedition Everest uses, and it's a Vacoma design. So, yeah, we, we're really left with this strange, bizarre hybrid attraction of loads of different um, manufacturers. It's a really big hybrid monster, isn't it, really? When you it really is. It. Well, it's a, it's a tiny hybrid monster. Well, sorry, yeah, tiny, <laughs> tiny hybrid monster. If anything, um, the queue area and the station probably takes up the same, if not a bigger footprint than the actual coaster itself. It probably does. I mean, the, the, <laughs> the queue's pretty big. <laughs> and that's probably something we'll go on to in a minute, the queue area, because um, speaking to a few people on social media and kind of having a little chat over the last few months about this, um, I was umming and ahhing whether, do, do I really like the attraction? Is the queue more entertaining than the attraction? Does it live up to the queue area? I don't know. We'll talk about the queue uh, very, very soon. Um, it's so interesting, though, that so many different things have happened and again people don't really there's no mainstream awareness of this information really is that like you say they're not communicating they're not going to communicate anything negative they're not going to communicate that this is a temporary structure which is now being made permanent uh, does that rule out other things in the future or was it just they had to do something in 2014 or else they're gonna have, it was either shut it down or do it now and who knows if things get better we can knock it down anywhere and rebuild or if things don't get better money wise we can then leave it up and it's going to last for another 20 years um also the actual ip that that's being used indiana jones is it still fitting today obviously it, fit, it definitely fits in Adventureland, and it works really really well that way but with the way that disney are going and buying more and more um ips and more and more studios is this, is um, Indiana Jones something that you think will last another twenty years? Yeah, I have to say, I think so. Um, I mean, obviously, Disney bought when this was uh, built. Sorry, I should say first, Disney didn't own. Um, they didn't own Lucasfilm, the studio that owned the full rights and made the Indiana Jones films. They just sort of licensed it to be able to build the attraction, just as they did with uh, Star Tours um, from the same company. Um, but when Disney decided they'd buy Star Wars, they bought uh, Lucasfilm and LucasArts, and that came with Indiana Jones. So if anything, really, it's quite useful for disney to be able to build indiana jones based attractions because they no longer need to pay for the rights to them that is true um i don't know if you've seen the uh video of the opening um like opening ceremony of the attraction or not and um, if anyone hasn't seen this by the way go on youtube check it out it's absolutely hilarious it's so, funny. so bad <laughs> it's so bad but so funny first of all it's like pouring down with rain it's torrential rain so there's umbrellas everywhere um there's flames going off um, you've also got, and I think I remember, I think I mentioned this at the end of the last episode when we were talking about Indiana Jones. Uh, you've got George Lucas next to Goofy standing there in the wet and rain. Doesn't look very impressed whatsoever, really. Um, but yeah, I, read, I was reading the story based on that, um, and it, it, it describes it in a more eloquent way. It basically says that it's a clear night. Well, not a clear night, but there's no rain. Um, there's all these different events happening, people talking, and then Goofy all of a sudden kind of raises his hands to the sky. Um, and then like some lights were going to flash or whatever and as soon as that happens the rain just pours straight away so it's as if Goofy has kind of raised up and kind of brought down this evil rain spirit onto the temple which is very well timed um, but yeah they the, the always have liked an opening ceremony and they still like to do that now uh, it's definitely worth checking out a um, little bit of a speech kind of French and English and George Lucas uh, obviously doesn't speak a word of French so it uh, just adds to the occasion. It's really good. The um, yeah, the story. 
Obviously, obviously, it's all based. I was just talking about the Indiana Jones IP there. It's all based on Indiana Jones. Um, I always, because of the Temple of Doom, I always have to like double check the name of the attraction. I still say Temple of Doom rather than Temple of Peril. Um, <laughs> obviously, if we had went with the Indiana Jones Adventure type attraction rather than this, um, it would have probably been more suited to the Temple of Doom rather than Temple of Peril. Or does Peril translate better than Doom, I'm not sure. It's a great question. I mean, I get the feeling that they called it the Temple of Peril because they sort of want you to want you to accidentally call it the Temple of Doom and then uh, you'll, then you'll know exactly which, which film they're, <laughs> they're aiming at. <laughs> and you don't have to pay as much from the licence fee. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the, according, to, according to Disney Imagineer Tony Baxter, it says uh, the Temple du Peril is a traditional rollercoaster attraction the roller coaster cars, which are supposed to be mine cars, are going up and down over the surface of the temple, clearing debris or putting back the artifacts and so forth. It's a very simple little premise. Then the car seems to go out of control and upside down during its trip around the various temple pieces. I must say I've never really thought about me putting artifacts back on the temple. No, I've to be honest, I've never really thought about artifacts at all when I've been whizzing around there. Obviously, it's going really, really fast at 36 miles per hour. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, because it's so tight, and people have described it as, like, one of those mouse coasters where the corners are so tight you feel like you're going to fly out of the corner. Um, it isn't as intense as that, but it's just about there, isn't it, really? Um, you haven't really got a chance to see what's happening, whereas on Big Thunder Mountain, um, obviously, it's a, there's a lot more track. Um, it's longer loops, not loops, but the corners are longer, and you can actually see some of the... Um, the scenery and the the props and the animatronics and stuff that are in there. Just imagine if Big Thunder Mountain had loops. Well, I mean, maybe maybe they do. They're all underground and we just don't know. It's in the dark. Anything could That is true. Now, speaking about my own um, experiences on this attraction, uh, we've mentioned this a long, long, many, many times now. Obviously, Space Mountain and Rock and Roller Coaster were the first attractions and first roller coasters ever ridden in my life, uh, mainly because they were in the dark and I could uh, either not be seen crying in the dark or I couldn't see where I was going either way um, but yeah I, this was the first roller coaster I had managed to ride on the outside in real life so having, having the view having seen where I was going was very 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 scary um, didn't put me off though I definitely went for it again I also managed to ride it as well in 2001 2002 when it was backwards and again that was can't remember much of it but what i do remember was the fact that you can't see anything coming um which kind of feels very similar to rock and roller coaster and space mountain because you can't see the loops or the um the inversions or anything like that and it's one of those you can't see when you're going backwards what's coming um so when the rumor is that they're trying to kind of um slow things down a little bit or smooth out the corners i can see what the coming where they're coming from there as well also on the backwards attraction uh part as well they had to reverse a lot of the scenery, although there isn't much of it. Obviously, if you're going backwards, you're going to be seeing things from the other direction. So if there's any scenery or set pieces that were kind of empty at the back or it was just kind of like a set piece with scaffolding and wood showing, then they had to kind of spin things around and change some of the effects. Um, but yeah, it, it was a novelty. And I don't, obviously at the time, they're doing it as a market employee. Look, it's kind of, kind of similar to what they do now these days. They'll reimagine um, Space Mountain as Hyperspace Mountain, gives another um, couple of years extra out of it they can do with only a couple of 
million pounds spent on marketing rather than a few hundred million pound kind of building a new attraction so i can see why they do it it's just something um i don't think it's needed and we want to see more attractions rather than reimagining of attractions that are already there yeah i mean i I get the feeling um although although it was quite fun to see the attraction backwards for a while i don't think it was ever actually as popular um certainly not popular uh in terms of like returning guests uh as 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 the original attraction was so i i think although it survived four years i think they they knew its time was up yeah See, from, uh, from some more of the research that I've been doing, like you mentioned there, I don't, it wasn't popular at all, and the numbers, the capacity actually dropped because there was nobody going to it. It wasn't taking anybody out of the parks. Um, so, yeah, it was just something that kind of maybe attracted people initially with the, being a bit interested in seeing what a, a backwards roller coaster would be like, but it kind of didn't really do much other than the first guest, the first attempt, the first ride of the attraction. Um, yeah, theming-wise, it's obviously a temple. There's lots of stones. There's lots of sculptures <laughs> of snakes and stony animals. Um, as always, we have a Disney attraction like this. There's boxes and lamps and ladders and all sorts of random props. And as we've seen on other episodes or heard on other episodes, I can imagine um, that a lot of this is taken from market stalls and real items that were just found. Um I think the best theming of the whole attraction, even though it does look good uh, when you look at pictures, and if you're standing outside the attraction from what you can see, like peeking out of the trees, um, it is quite impressive. But the queue line is as well themed, if any, more than a lot of the attraction itself. Um, so obviously you're wandering through an abandoned base camp, uh, meandering towards the temple, uh, where guests then climb the staircase. So you're kind of climbing on the part of the temple, aren't you? And then you've got the canopy area, which is hiding the station, um, but just the long grass. Um, the fact that the queue line kind of weaves its way through the the, fo- the forest, um, it just makes it a lot more interesting, really, doesn't it, than being stuck in a switchback queue in a concrete area, which is what we've came to love in Walt Disney Studios for now. <laughs> well, I have to say, I mean, I, I mean, as well, we'll read about from our from our listeners later on. There's a lot of love for this queue, but I'm not. I'm not totally sold on it being a really great queue. Uh, first off, I never really realised, although in hindsight I now feel quite dumb, I'd never realised it was meant to be an abandoned base camp. I just sort of assumed, oh, well, there's no one here because they're not going to pay live actors to do it. Uh-huh. Um, but I, I get it now that it's meant to be abandoned. Um, I do I do think, for me, I feel like there are quite a lot of switchbacks in that queue. You don't really wind around all the tents and whatever. They're more just sort of next to you while you're on the switchbacks. The other thing that I think, and to be fair, I can see why they've done it, but I do think it's a shame, though, that because of the canopies and the roofing above the switchback queue sections, you can't really see the roller coaster much while you're in the queue, which I think is a bit of a shame, because obviously, you know, you can see it so well from from the viewing area of the path before you join the queue, so it's a bit of a shame you can't see it. Um, on saying that, though, uh, the the bit before going to the station where you go up the stairs that are you know they are the kind of the big stone stairs with you know two big torches either side of you um yeah that's a really cool sequence that's a nice that's a nice bit of queue it is now the queue area like obviously we've kind of got different opinions there it is it is switchbacky um and i know it, it doesn't wind as much as you kind of well i remember it looking at some of the images i've just looked at now but 
it doesn't feel i don't know if it's because the queue isn't i there isn't really a wait for this attraction anymore or i could imagine if i was right at the end of the queue um if like an hour wait it would probably feel a lot longer but i never seem or i never feel like it lasts a long time um sometimes when you're kind of in the open and there's no real theme in even the, the trees and the, the fence and the abandoned camp. Um, it kind of takes away from the fact that you are in a queue. And it kind of makes it easier. I, sort of, I don't know. It just, I think psychologically, you don't feel like you are there for as long. Kind of like um, Pirates of the Caribbean, which for me is one of the best queues. Um, apart from if you're waiting on the outside area, if the attraction's over an hour wait, which it seemed to be recently. Uh-oh. Oh, the parts of the Caribbean queue is amazing. Um, I, I think I agree with you, actually, that it, it, even though I've said it's an annoying switchback, it, it does, for some reason, still seem like quite a good queue because, well, I, I think it's because because of the long grass and they've managed to, you know, get so many tropical plants around, um, the wooden and sort of canvas aesthetic, it somehow really does fit. I think it feels surprisingly immersive for what is otherwise a relatively basic queuing system in terms of it's just some switchbacks with some canvas over the top and a couple of tents dotted around um, but yeah no i agree it does it yeah I, I think i think it immerses you really well yeah you do feel like you are in like the middle of nowhere don't you because they are they are quite tall the, the grass and the trees and um when you do get to look up you only see the temple and like you say the big stone stairs that you walk up now again looking at a picture here um from above you don't realize until you actually look into it how tall and how grand these stairs are mm. obviously i know it's fenced off on the stairs so you can't use the whole staircase but how cool would it be if you had the really big grand staircase and you're just queuing on the side of the temple um and the flames aren't on there i don't think anymore but Sadly you've got, not, no. got the big snake heads on either side and you can then start to see the coaster. And obviously, uh, as you're just about in the station as well, you get to see the loop, um, which is, again, well-themed. Uh, from on the side that you are when you're queuing up on the stairs, you kind of just see all the rock work. Um, obviously, if you look closely, you can still see the actual track as well. But then the, when the train comes round, you kind of just hear the screams and see people's heads and the top of the car or top of the trains uh, going around in the loop. Um, so, again, for something that was originally temporary possibly um it is such a great thing that have done really in a short space of time oh definitely they they did a surprisingly good job on a on a very small budget and i think that's been reflected in the fact that um the attraction was basically cloned for a roller coaster called raging spirits in tokyo disney sea yeah i so mean obviously they um <laughs> they improved the track and whatever so that they did just build another temporary roller coaster um <laughs> but yeah it, it was an attraction that got cloned yeah, now, I think we've kind of, unless you can think of anything else, I think we've covered everything from the original attraction and kind of to modern day and to present day now. The, um, they've added a shop to that area and obviously over time they've added the fast pass queue as well. So we've got the uh, luxury of that, which kind of shortened, I think, the main queuing area. Um, and there was a few sections of the main queue where people used to kind of queue jump and jump around. So that was taken out as well. We've some of the refurbs over the years uh, but apart from that like we said the original footprint's still the same um, looking at the map there's still quite a lot of space to the side of that um, and I'm sure we'll be talking about this in the next section in a second um, but there is potential uh, there is the space um, and it, the only problem I feel the, the, the attraction has got really is the, 
the position of where it is in the parks uh, and what is else what else is around it because it is kind of isolated isn't it it's very isolated and i think it would be really easy to miss it it's not on the way to anywhere and normally a, a disney park is so well designed that effectively everything works in like a massive circle there's there's almost like kind of particularly in disneyland park there's kind of like concentric circles almost that you can follow around and there's a kind of main route that you follow but this is this is off that at, a, at an awkward angle you'd have to you know you have to kind of go the wrong way after missing missing the bridge uh, across towards the parts of the caribbean side of adventureland yeah to be honest uh, there's been a couple of occasions where i've when on my, some of my first visits to the park um where i've actually i have actually bumped into it by accident taking a wrong <laughs> turn um <laughs> And obviously, well, that's an adventure, isn't it? It is. And in that case, Adventureland's lived up to its name, and it also means, oh, I'll do it now. I mean, yeah, might as well. Um, but there's actually been other occasions where I've been with groups of students when I've been on school trips with these students, uh, and I've said, right, I know a roller coaster you want to go on. Uh, Indiana Jones, follow me. I've then went, oh, I forgot which way to go to get to it. Um, <laughs> I obviously I know how to get there now, having been a few more times since then, but on my first few uh, visits, it was, yeah, hard to follow signs, hard to get there. Um, it also kind of shows you as well that even though it was opened very early on in 1993, just a year uh, after the park opened, it kind of it does show how it wasn't planned initially to be used that expansion pad, and how you can say it wasn't part of the flow of the park either. Um, should it be part of Adventureland? It is over the bridge. I don't know. Would there be space there to change that into another area? That's obviously something we can look at in a minute. Um, Last thing I'm going to talk about in this current section, uh, my last visit when I went on this attraction two years ago now, I think it was, um, so it was after the refurb, The I was getting ready, students were all wrapped, well, wrapped in, all belted in, the, the harness was down, uh, going up the lift hill, no problems whatsoever, uh, went down a couple of the first corners, just got to the top where we were just about to go down to the loop, and all of a sudden we were stopped at the brake. Um, the breaking point um, we were there for about half an hour not going anywhere not knowing anything <laughs> then all of a sudden a little French girl excuse me please come this way um, we had to evacuate he went 101 <laughs> oh dear um, so here's me cart full of uh, students luckily though they're all 17, 18 so it wasn't too bad um, but yeah I was like this is going to be the best thing ever it's got a loop we're going to love this um, but it was th- so it, it's the first time actually in 10 visits that I was um, evacuated from an attraction and just so happens to be it couldn't have been It's a Small World or Pirates of the Caribbean when you could just climb out of a little boat. Uh, we were right at the top of the uh, hill just about to go down to the loop and we had to walk our way down the temple around all the emergency staircase um, and it was actually quite interesting for me. The students didn't like it because they didn't actually get to go on that again because it was our final day and it was down for the rest of the day. We were given a, f- um, a fast pass um, to get back on it and it, all it wrote was Indiana Jones, uh, six people. Um, I've actually still got it somewhere. We never used it. So if anybody's going in the next few months um, and is planning on going Indiana Jones, I don't know if it still works, but I've got a fast pass which hasn't been dated that just has six for Indiana Jones. <laughs> yeah, um, if there's a big group of you going, then uh, take it along. I have been tempted to take it um, and use it myself, but uh, if I'm going with a family, it would just basically be me. I'll just have to find <laughs> six other people. Or I could say, one person, 
and cross it out and put five, and the next time I'll use it, cross it out, put four. I could use it six <laughs> times, who knows? Uh, it was interesting, though, uh, having been the first time um, I was evacuated from an attraction, uh, walking down the stairs. You don't realise uh, until you're actually walking on the staircase, obviously, when the attraction's going and you're riding past it really, really fast, you don't you don't look at that kind of thing. Um, but the amount of stairs that they are um, there and well hidden, well themed. It was all part of the wooden bridge and the, all of the rickety wood and stuff like that. So it was quite well themed. Um, it took us out to the side next to Adventureland and we had to walk through the backstage area and then back through these massive gates and back to the uh, back to the fun of Adventureland. But yeah, it was it was very interesting. Um, and that was the last time I had managed to ride the attraction. Didn't even get to do, do the loop and we had to walk <laughs> off. Last time you managed to ride a quarter of the attraction. Yeah. Um, can you remember your last time? Probably about 20 years ago, was it? Yeah, 20, 25 years, 30 years, 50 years. Who knows? Um, well, I, yeah, I mean, I remember it, but unfortunately there's no there's no exciting story. Um, I have to say, I always you you watch the roller coaster when you're you know you're, you're stood by the big fire pits watching it, um, and you look and you think, yeah, yeah, it looks like a you know reasonably tame roller coaster, and it only does thirty six miles an hour. Um, but I always find it's um, it's it's a roller coaster that's sort of surprisingly fast. I think once you're on it, and it uh, you know it has that great sort of rickety feeling of throwing you around. I mean, that's probably because it's a temporary roller coaster and it's probably not meant to do that too much um but it, it really it does give you that kind of visceral feeling of being on some kind of out of control mind train so yeah it's a it's a roller coaster i'm fond of yeah it does its job doesn't it, um, it I, does. think, I think we need to praise the imagineers uh, obviously they're given their remit um, as we've said for a while now they've had limited budget they've got limited time because they're basically being told we need this attraction we need more people on roller coasters um, and they've done their job so all, all round and for it to have lasted this long and to still get people on the attraction and you still get those people some people go to the parks wanting characters wanting parades and that kind of thing and other people kind of like you and myself Simon we go there um, for the thrill for like the coasters and the attraction like sit on attractions stuff like that so it kind of it definitely still ticks the box for people like us um and it's one of the it's one of those when you've got a family and everyone's different, it's kind of still there as part of the this office is offering something for a certain person and they're still getting joy out of it, aren't they? Yeah, it keeps us happy, doesn't it? <laughs> keeps us happy, keeps us quiet. Or not as this podcast <laughs> will be. Um so yeah, look let's look at the future then. So it's still Indiana Jones. Uh, we've got now a more permanent structure. What could we do? Um uh, obviously first on the list it's going to be projection mapping. Um, Woo! Well, hey. Now, I'm quite sad that at the opening ceremony there wasn't any projection mapping. There was lights and there was the flames and stuff like that and the rain. Um, but there's so much more you could do, especially if, if this is supposed to be some kind of like evil temple with some kind of spirits and you've got all these snakes and all these other little characters and stuff like that. Could we not have? Even if we keep it simple, we've mentioned like making the the, the show building or the actual like theming come alive on other attractions. Could we have like bits of rocks just falling off, or maybe animals, or some kind of snakes just slowly sliding up the side of the building uh, or the temple? Uh, just imagine in the dark. Obviously, it, it looks well when it looks good at night when it's lit, lit up. Uh, but just imagine that extra layer. We're not talking about like characters mickey mouse on the side or we're not talking about an <laughs> advert for cafe de cascadeurs beaming on there but just to kind of 
add an extra dimension really just bring the static um structure of life because there's to life because there's no animatronics there's no kind of moving parts really is it's not like big fundamental where you've got a guy on a rock well you've got um goats and little animals all doing all their little animal things <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think there's lots of there's lots of like little subtle things you can do as you say just to just to you know make, make it feel a little bit alive things like um uh having say like the light of the moon kind of like moving across the rocks as if like the moon's going in and out of clouds above it that would just be a nice little thing that would give give the kind of the vista a bit more dynamism to it uh i would you know sort of a little bit look a bit creepy and spooky but you know it's not yeah it's it's not like you know suddenly the the rockwork blasts open and like adventurer goofy's there with george <laughs> lucas yeah wouldn't need to go that far no, because there's no moving parts as well. If you can, if you are on some kind of adventure and you're in a mine train, like going around the temple, then you would expect. I don't want to copy what's on Big Fundamental, but kind of rock work to move and things to. You want some extra scares, don't you? So maybe it looks like something's going to fall on you. Um, so could there could there be like a I don't know some rock work projection mapped onto there that just looks like it's like wobbling or a crack or something like that. Similar to in the uh, the tunnel, um, a big fundamental when you've got like the sparks of the TNT dynamite going up the wall when it's all working, um, just little effects like that, maybe some smoke or um, yeah, just some like, dust particles that are flying in the air. So there's definitely something we could do there. Um, what about in the queue line? Uh, projection mapping could be used. We've got so many uh, canvas tents and roofs and stuff like that. Uh, I know it's supposed to be an abandoned mine, but could we not have maybe the silhouettes of some kind of like animals or whatever you would find in the forest? Um, would Could they be kind of walking past the tent? Or uh, if you've got flickering lights um, of the uh, of the torches and the, the, the lights that are left being left behind, um, that could be added as well now. Obviously, the park isn't always open in the dark, so we're kind of—it's a lot of money and a lot of extra layers of stuff for kind of a short space of time, isn't it? Really, um, but projectors, projection, projection these days are quite bright, so anything in daylight wouldn't be too much of a difficulty these days either. No, and I mean it would be cool to maybe add in a couple of sort of interactive elements into the queue you know some maybe some ropes that you could pull that would uh, would trigger some sort of uh, projection mapping to happen as you say you know silhouettes inside a tent or you know lights flickering on and off or animals sort of rummaging around in the shrubbery <laughs> now you, you said they're about interacting by pulling a rope and um, there's quite a lot of ropes already there like attached to the wood would people not get confused and pull half the queue line down I mean, that's a risk you've got to take with an interactive queue, isn't it? Well, that, that, that's one thing. People will be experimenting. They'll be like, oh, I wonder if this part's interactive. Oh, dear me. There we go. I've lost the front of the queue. <laughs> You're on the track Well, now. that's extra fun, isn't it? It is Adventureland, <laughs> after all. Um, what kind of interactivity are we thinking? Are we talking just like... So you're walking past in a very rigid queue system and you can lean over and press a button or... Pull, like turn a page of a, a book or something or and like a noise happens or um, do we have sensors that will detect certain like at certain points where there's people moving or like things being activated I mean maybe you could go full hog and say that uh, you have some interactive elements in the queue and you choose like 
what type of artifact you're going to the temple to go and take, and then it gives you a different projection map show onto the temple as you're going yeah. around it. Now we're talking. Does that mean we need magic bands which aren't coming anytime soon? <laughs> we've obviously we got the dream. we've obviously got the RFID cards, but they're not going to detect. Uh, they're not going to be able to do what the magic bands are doing, where it's they know who was in the attraction at a certain time, and you can kind of pinpoint people and put their name onto different elements of the of the ride. I think we discussed this in the Peter Pan uh, episode when they kind of brought in a lot of interactive elements there. That's always what I'm thinking of when we look at what but what potentially could happen with uh, attractions at Disneyland Paris. What about um, you're giving something at the start, maybe? It doesn't have to be a weapon, but the, for some reason the first thing that came into my head was a gun. don't know why you'd need a gun. <laughs> but are you kind of... Just to, like maybe you have to shoot at certain targets or I don't know scan certain things as you're going along. I know it would mean mean a lot more um, like cast members involved handing them out, but like maybe some kind of interactive little game that you can play not on your own mobile phone, but that interacts with certain elements as you're going through the through the queue. Now, are we talking? Do we need any of this at whatsoever? Is the queue long enough to to warrant? needing any interactivity or anything extra or should we just make do with the queue and concentrate on the actual attraction itself um i think for most of the year to be honest the queue's not really that bad it's got a decent capacity for a for a smaller roller coaster so i think it's okay it does tend to get busy though obviously in the in the summer months um so uh yeah i mean it's always nice to have a something little extra to do in the queue um but it's it's you know, it's not Big Thunder Mountain or Space Mountain. It doesn't, you know, it's not crying out for it. Now, longer, I've caught on my notes here, the next uh, idea I was going to talk about for the future was longer track, dark ride section. Now, I know one thing I think it's missing, even though I really enjoy the fact that it is outside compared to Rock and Roller Coaster and Space Mountain, but the dark ride element is just something that Disney do so well. And just imagine you're thinking... Obviously, you would you would know about it because it was in the news, but you've ridden the attraction before. You think, right, I'm going to go around, do the loop, off we go, that's it, done. But just imagine, instead of going to the loop straight away, you go off maybe down into another little tunnel and you're kind of into some kind of inside the temple action. Um, there we go. We're not, we don't have to worry about it being daytime outside. You've then got the inside area for all the different animatronics. You've got more projection. You've got physical props moving, lighting, uh, pyrotechnics, who knows, you could even have some kind of live actor um, who's swinging on ropes, jumping over gaps. Um, if we don't want the animatronics to be chucked over, we don't want to have a swinging pirate issue where he's not swinging all the time. But just imagine being able to bring it to life a bit more, tell the actual story, because it doesn't really tell a story, does it really, this attraction at the moment. You're kind of on a roller coaster, that's a loop, great. It looked like I was in a temple, but really... Apart from the music that's in the queue area and the the ride, uh, the sign outside the attraction, you probably wouldn't really know it was Indiana Jones, would you? Yeah, no, I, I think you're exactly right there. I guess your your two main candidates for sort of dark ride areas would be if you were to enclose that first sort of um, sort of block section uh, before you get to the chain lift, you could probably quite easily enclose that, and maybe you could have a little I don't know animatronic Indy who. You know, kind of demonstrates to you that you need to go and steal something from the temple, or that he's stolen something from the temple, and that's caused a bit of a problem. Um, the other place that uh, you could probably add in a little dark ride section um, would be, I guess, something a bit similar to the introduction of 
crushes coaster you could just sort of tag that kind of thing on at the end of the ride um where they have expansion space behind it um and to be honest it's a it's a fairly flat section around there anyway so you could probably just sort of extend that out a little bit and put in put in some animatronics and some uh, some stuff happening within the temple i think that's what it's kind of needing isn't it i don't think we need a total rebuild so to say so to say you could if we manage to add on an extra element of it and make it a lot more interesting um once we're on there the only worry with that is if you make it a lot more interesting in that way and if a lot of people i can imagine are put off because of the loop are you spending a lot of money not being selfish towards our ourselves who really really like the loop and we enjoy the attraction but would the loop put people off from even going to see that? Who, if the loop wasn't there, that would be something right up their street. Well, quite possibly, yes. Yeah. So it'd be it'd be a shame to uh, to have that. But then again, you know, we have three inversions in Space Mountain and a lot of cool, lot of cool visuals to check out, a lot of cool dark ride elements. So that's uh, just what you miss out when you're not into the roller coasters. <laughs> that's true. Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, we'll have all the dark rides <laughs> so one of the question marks I put on there was you, know, you mentioned it about the rumour was when they were refurbing it in 2000 um, are they going to be making it sorry in 2014 are they going to make it backwards again that will never happen again but could it no I hope not <laughs> I hope not <laughs> if anything they definitely won't waste time putting uh, special effects and stuff in there if you're going backwards because you'd be so disori- disorientated you have no idea what's going on so you won't even want to see any projection mapping um, on the <laughs> side of anything uh, Indiana Jones Adventure there's lots and lots of rumours and I've, I've read even more rumours today on Twitter that uh, obviously with the two billion pound expansion of Walt Disney Studios uh, people always keep saying do not forget the main park Disneyland Park has been earmarked with like half a billion pounds worth of money uh, for potential new attractions there. Do we have an, an Indiana Jones adventure type attraction? Do we totally tear down the, what is there now? Or do we add another attraction and make it, as we talked about right at the start, and which was originally planned, do we make a little Indiana Jones area? Well, I, I think, as far as I'm aware, they've left in a enough space to be able to build the Indiana Jones adventure if they want to with um, with Templar Peril existing as it is. Um, I don't know whether that's true, I don't know how big the footprint is. Um, if you look on like Google Maps or something, then <laughs> to be honest, where they've put Temple of Peril is kind of right in the middle of this large patch of grass that they've got there. Um, so I don't think they've made it particularly easy for themselves. I, I, I don't know whether we will ever get the... Uh, Indiana Jones adventure. I mean, it's it's been rumoured for so so long that you you just sort of think, well, surely we're at a point. I mean, it's I, th- I think it was about twenty years ago that the original attraction debuted. You just sort of think, well, is it really gonna? Do they really want to build an old attraction here? Who knows? Yeah, the argument is we should be looking forward, and we don't. Obviously, a lot of there's been an arguments and discussions about always using IPs in the park. Um, but it's kind of the way things are going now if you look at Marvel and you look at Star Wars and you look at Frozen in Walt Disney Studios. But I don't think we should be scared of trying new things. Obviously, Ratatouille hasn't always been branded as the, the success that it possibly is. Obviously, it's going to Walt Disney uh, Walt Disney World now. It's going into Epcot, isn't it? Uh, so they obviously liked what they've seen there. And I know Euro Disney Imagineers have had quite a lot 
to do with uh, the success of that and it's been taken across so obviously we steal things from them they steal things from us at other parks um, but it would be nice if like the actual main Disneyland Park could get a unique attraction um, does that mean closing it potentially I haven't really got an affinity to Temple of Peril I do like it I go on it and in fact don't just like it I do love the attraction but it's not like a Space Mountain it's not like uh, I was going to say a Rock and Roller Coaster but that is going to be closing and rethemed uh, the stay of the sale, <laughs> the same track um, will probably be still there so it kind of isn't going as such um, but these are the attractions that you kind of yeah, you'd, I, I wouldn't want to see go but with this one Mm, would I mind? Not really. Apart from the fact that I can't find it all the time, and that that's one of the reasons why I'm not running straight to it. Um, also, I'm getting older now, so I can't run as fast as I used to be able to. Um, but people aren't pushing themselves to get to the Indiana Jones attraction either, so I don't know. It probably wouldn't be a big miss if they did close it and totally re-theme that area to make it easier. I mean, it would be the worst thing in the world but as you said earlier in the 2014 refurbishment they uh, they basically future-proofed it for the next 20 odd years so uh, I, I think it's here to stay for now <laughs> that's what we said about armageddon when we'd done that attraction episode a few years ago <laughs> as we said this is the best attraction they've ever made i hope they never get rid of it i hope they put pre-shows like this in front of every attraction <laughs> That's one thing that uh, Indiana Jones is missing. It might even actually make us believe it is Indiana Jones. Could we not have a pre-show in the queue? Well, you got the space for it. Yeah, we, we go off to the side into another tent that's abandoned. And then this weird <laughs> creature starts talking about Indiana Jones. We then have a few shots because we've said pre-show a few times. And then we go back onto the ride and you can do the loop a few times then. <laughs> it's even better after the shots. Um... Another rumour that I've heard as well, now this wouldn't fit where Indiana Jones is, but the Beauty and the Beast attraction, again, something that has been banded around for a long, 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 long time. Uh, Eddie Soto even talked about, I think, uh, in our episode, um, something that was originally planned and then taken away. And it should be happen- should If it's going to happen anyway, it should be in France because it's a French-based film. Um, could they totally re-theme that area? It's like we, have found, we have said that it's over the bridge. It's kind of away from Adventureland enough that it could be re-themed into a totally different area could they make that that kind of Beauty and the Beast land maybe if there's room there it's conceivable but thematically you'd probably rather it was it was with um, Fantasyland obviously they have an expansion pad not a huge one but enough for one attraction um, between Fantasyland and Discoveryland sort of behind the Hyperion Theatre and Cafe um so I think that's more likely where you'd see it. But uh, yeah, as you say, there's <laughs> Indiana Jones sits right in the middle of an expansion pad. So if they ever did want to do something quite big with a new land, that is kind of the best place to put it. Goodbye. <laughs> um no, but like I say, we're not gonna we're not gonna see it go anytime soon. I think we, if anything, I think the Indiana Jones adventure. Um, rumour is probably the most likely if something's going to happen there um, I believe something will happen um, obviously now the Walt Disney Company are owning Disneyland Paris uh, full time now, I don't know why I said full time, they were never part time but um, it's yeah, they, think, they only owned it on like weekdays it's just on the weekdays, yeah, um, less people were there the, I, think, I think it's going to happen sometime, something's going to happen there it's, big, it's a big space and obviously they don't want Disneyland Park to feel left out because obviously it's a real person with feelings. 
<laughs> um, we're kind of at the point now we're going to talk about listener opinions is there anything else that you feel we may have missed um, we've talked about the attraction then the attraction now the attraction in the future nothing else is going to change nothing else may happen apart from new bits around it should we look at listener opinions now I think it's time this is time. We need some kind of jingles, I think, now. We've, we've been around for long enough now that we should have some professional jingles. Yeah, we need we need a motif for the listeners, don't we? Go on, and I'll let you do one right now, live. Did you like it? I, well, I thought there was going to be some talking, at, at least, a voiceover. All right, listener opinions, 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 opinions. And the echo, live. You yeah, happy with that? That's, I'll do, mate. I'll have to record that, and, uh, well, I am recording it. I'll have to take that bit out and use it every time now. <laughs> <laughs> or just get you to say it every week. Anyway, let's start off with the tweets. We've got Nick Hudson. Uh, the track is an off-the-shelf purchase. Horrible ride. Beautifully themed, of course. <laughs> I, I love Twitter. It's <laughs> great. To the point. I like it. Yeah, that's at Nick Hudson Music. Um, yeah, I remember looking back at this uh, discussion a while, I had a couple of negative things to say, but again, can't. Well, it's not a horrible ride, in my opinion. Um, theming has worked well, definitely Disneyland, uh, Europe, well, Disneyland Imagineer quality. Um, but, like I say, it's off the shelf. Not much more you can say about that one, really. No, it's a fair point. Um, Next cap- up, we've got Capturing Disney Parks. Oh. Go on then, go for it, Andrew. No, no, you've, you've, you've said it now. No. All right, I'll, I'll do it just this once. <laughs> Capturing Disney Parks is next at Capt uh, Disney Parks. Uh, would love to provide input, but never rode it. I love the theming with the statues and fire, the tents, etc. Um, but I'm just not that into roller coasters. I've learned to ride and love Big Thunder Mountain, but I think that's the max for me. Oh. It's a shame you're missing out. There's, it... there's a whole massive dark ride section they've added. <laughs> there is, yeah. Go and enjoy that right now. <laughs> uh, Christina KB at Christina KB17 I was not impressed with the theming especially compared to the ride in Disneyland California or the show in Disney World so yeah Twitter isn't really loving Big Thunder uh, Big Thunder Mountain isn't really loving Indiana Jones at the moment yeah and uh, kind of similar from Liam uh, at Liamo37 uh, it's a pity the ride's in a bit of a dead end as it ne- never seems to be that busy yeah, it was so his, his comment was so good that I pasted it in there twice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, and I very almost read it again. Do you want me to read that one? It's a pity the ride is in a bit of it anyway. Um, yeah, it goes on to say what we've just said already, but the, uh, yeah, it's hard to find it. I need a map just to find that attraction sometimes. I mean, ironically, that's exactly what Indiana Jones is all about, really, grabbing a map and hoping for the best. Maybe that's what it's about. Maybe if you hope for the best, you end up at the attraction and there you go. You can go and ransack a temple. It's a, it's a very meta proposal they've got going on. Now, I've got a couple of um, comments here that you haven't got. These were last-minute additions, um, mainly because I forgot that I asked this question on Facebook as well. Um, for the thing, it's the first time we've actually mentioned comments from Facebook, so well done to our Facebook followers um, at Magical DLP on Facebook. So, yeah, David Stansfield. I like the ride if it's uh, a short 5- to 10-minute queue, as the ride is not long at all. It seems it is land for... There, we need another coaster, so we will just throw this one up here and back out the way. From what I can remember, there are a few things to look out in the queue line, but as there is not a queue most of the time, you don't get get to have a good look. The end. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't think there's anything positive on that one again either. Really, is that 
if he, he'll do it if it's a short queue, which is probably every time. Then he'll uh, he'll be on the attraction over time now. Then uh, not much of a queue. If you don't, there's no point in having a queue line if you're not going to queue, is there really? So that's all right. Uh, Sydney sharing, um, not a big fan of it. It's too short for my taste. You're in, make an inversion, you're out. Also, the track just doesn't do it for me. I prefer the rush of rock and roller coaster, even though it's shorter. And the joyful Wild West ride of Big Thunder. Indy also hasn't enough theming for me. Oh, <laughs> I, I feel really sad. I feel really bad for Indy now. I mean, to be honest, we were reasonably harsh and you know keep keeping calling it a, a temporary roller coaster but you know at least we've we've said that it's it's really good for what it is and that we you know that we we have a, a special place for it in our hearts but damn this is vicious maybe it's like well <laughs> i was going to say maybe it's like parents who have an ugly child i suppose after a while you get used, <laughs> you get used to it being ugly and it kind of actually looks cute in the end and sometimes they do grow up to look a lot better than they were when they were babies. Um, if, if anybody knows where you are, is related to me, I'm not talking about anybody in particular. That's my disclaimer. Let's go on to the emails. Awesome. First one's from uh, D Spicer. And now this is more positive. So uh, we're, we're bringing happiness back into this. It says, hi, both. I love this podcast. Please keep it going. Thank you very much for that. Now, on to Indiana Jones, Temple du Peril. Personally, I really enjoy Indiana Jones. Uh, it's a must-ride whenever I visit Disneyland Paris. I would describe it as a thrilling, out-of-control mine train. Almost like a compact, intense version of Big Thunder Mountain. Whilst it isn't the longest of coasters, it's certainly packed a punch with good drops, a particularly forceful loop, and some great helixes. I also read it backwards in 2003, which was an interesting experience. However, I much prefer it forwards. The theming throughout is fantastic, especially when the fire effects are working in the entrance area, which looks spectacular at night. I also love viewing all the different elements in the queue line, such as Indy's tent, Jeep, and the different artifacts scattered around. There's plenty of Indy Easter eggs to find whilst waiting in line. The queue line steps up to the station uh, are particularly well themed. The two giant snake heads either side of the steps are incredible, and I love how climbing the steps makes it feel like you really are climbing up towards the temple. And then once you get to the top, you've got a really great view of the loop. The temple itself looks amazing. This is a classic case of Disney taking not the most inspired of roller coaster layouts and making it into something special. The fact that this coaster is cloned at Tokyo Disney Sea uh, speaks volumes in and of itself. One thing I will say though is I miss the wooden slats which were attached to the bottom of the track. These really added to the theme and I hope Disney will add them back at some point. Another fact that should be mentioned uh, is that this is the first ever Disney roller coaster to feature an inversion which is pretty special in its own right. A final interesting but pointless fact is sheer is the sheer amount of different manufacturers which have been involved. First, uh, the layout's copy of the Pinfari TL59 coaster. Intermin and uh, Giovanniola built the original coaster in 1993, which is why the loop is in a B&M box-style track. Then Vekoma rebuilt the loop and did some other work to the track in 2014. So it really is a rather unique beast of a coaster. Beast. Yeah, Andrew, why did we bother doing any research for this? <laughs> I know. That we, it's all been done for us right here. We should have just read this out and like, we're done. We're done, guys. It's all I over. always I get to this point every time, and I always do feel, why didn't I read the emails before I pasted them onto this? <laughs> um, <laughs> one of these days, I'm gonna re- I'm gonna read something that somebody has written, and it's gonna be really inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> I should have read um, them. One, yeah. one thing to just pick up on before we move on, uh, mentioning about the uh, the wooden slats that were attached to the bottom of the track, yeah. a, a bit like on uh, Big Thunder Mountain where the kind of um, wooden-like cross beams that you see on railway tracks are there. So uh, initially, 
yeah, they, they were these were kind of like hanging underneath the track, and I mean they look slightly odd, but they they did make it look a bit more like railway. Um, I'll be honest, I thought some of them were still there, but maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, I, I think be. they definitely there's not any on like the near side as you look at the coaster from from the path by the you know the big stake heads and whatever. I don't think you can see any from there, but I think around some of the other sections of track there are some. It's definitely we something that, that needs to be there, really, doesn't it? If you're talking about the whole theming of it, um, a runaway mine train or mine cart wouldn't have a nice steel um, frame, would it, really? Especially no, not in not. the temple. Well, this can be our question of the podcast, because we haven't had one yet. Very um, true, very true. Are any of them still there? Are they completely gone? Somebody tell us. Has anybody got them in their back garden? <laughs> Let us know. Like you've got Café de Cascadeurs in the back. Oh, just imagine. <laughs> so um what else was i going to mention there as well oh the the tl59 the 59 is how uh, wide the gauge of the track is you were right before huzzah where we there we go so there's no point in that being a question yeah we are so uh, simon marshall here we go uh, andrew and simon dot 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 now you're talking indiana jones Ella temple du peril is a rite of passage for our kids it's always one of the rides we head to uh, to see if one of the kids is tall enough the joy or disappointment defines their holiday oh i feel really bad for them if they can't make it now um, yeah, that's quite brutal isn't it <laughs> for a rite of passage yeah. you're not tall enough you're not a real person until you can get on this attraction <laughs> um while uh, Rock and Roller Coaster and Space Mountain have more inversions, Indy has always been my favourite coaster. The fact it feels like a runaway minecart adds to the ride. It's fast and bumpy, but exhilarating, and the loop is so tight, you always wonder how they did it. The one issue I have, the fact they switch you back from the cars facing in reverse, something you've probably already mentioned. I never rode that version, but wish I did. That loop backwards must have been awesome. I think... I can't remember the loop. But um, having ridden it, I would definitely say, yeah, it's a shame you're missing out. Um, but it's definitely better frontwards or forwards. Um, there is something definitely lacking in the theming area, though. Like it's been hidden in that jungle and they've forgotten it was there. Isn't that part of the idea? A bit yeah, that's of a, one of my favourite parts about it, I've got to say. Abandoned, forgotten temple. Uh, the rumoured additions to the land would help. Again, probably disgust to death. Yeah, mm. sorry about that. <laughs> You could have already mentioned. You could have mentioned it already for us, and it would have saved us some time. As I said <laughs> earlier, it must. It is a must-do for us, and it's tucked away. It's never too busy to ride. It's a hidden gem of an attraction, and one I would certainly miss if it was removed. I apologise for all I said about closing the attraction. After all, <laughs> there's nothing like it in any other Disney parks, and I love that level of DLP uniqueness. Keep up the work, guys, as always. Peace. Well, this is good. That's a much more positive outlook on on Indy. This is we like this. So Kick this up. Simon's in the indie club. There we go. Maybe we need to get a t-shirt made for him. <laughs> Next. Next up, we've got Christopher Jebbit at CJebs on Twitter. Hi, Andrew and Simon. Indiana Jones is a good roller coaster for Disneyland Paris. I'm quite tall at six foot, so I've never had issues with any uh, coasters shaking my head because my head's always above the restraint with no issues. Well, lucky you, Christopher. <laughs> Having ridden hundreds of times as one of the earliest coasters at uh, Paris, it is a must-ride on every visit. As for the future, the reverse ride was a good mix-up and could be brought back to add a little bit more variety. No. The addition of a ride photo would also be nice. I don't think it would be uh, worth doing any major <laughs> changes to the ride and the money would be better served expanding the area with, with another live ride, Jungle Cruise or the Indiana Jones Adventure, to bring to life that corner of Adventureland, which is a bit dead currently. Good to see more content this year already, smiley face. 
that was in january <laughs> yeah sorry about that there's not been that much anyway you get you get two by by sometime in april that's okay that's better because last year we only had three episodes out so we're on two already we've planned for a third very very soon so uh, we're not doing too badly actually um, we're racing on I, I, I laughed a little bit there about the addition of the on-ride photo not because it's not a good idea uh, because obviously we need more um, opportunities to use your photo pass which doesn't really have any photographers at the moment um that would be a good idea, but just imagine seeing your face on the loop, on the photograph, as you're hanging upside down. Like my face that'd on a, be, that'd be glorious. My face on a photograph on a normal uh, attraction on the normal way up is always like a gormless, especially on um, Buzz Lightyear uh, when I'm holding <laughs> the gun, looking around, totally gormless. Because I always forget when the camera's going to. I know where it is, but I always forget when it's going to take the picture. So I'm never looking good on that one. Um, but yeah, just I like that one. Um, Everyone seems to be talking about Jungle... We haven't mentioned Jungle Cruise yet. Um, no, we how, haven't. We missed what, that one. What kind of size footprint does that take up? Because I've never... Obviously, I've never been on that attraction before. Um, well, I mean, there's there's quite a few different versions of it, really, depending on where you are in the world. I, I think, apart from maybe Florida and Tokyo or Tokyo and... I think Tokyo is a clone, but all the other ones are different, as far as I'm aware. I'm not totally keyed up on that, though, so don't quote me on it. Um, but basically... They were talking about, uh, well, oh, there were rumours of, of a, basically, Indiana Jones version of Jungle Cruise coming, which, uh, if you've seen Jungle Cruise, basically, you get on a boat and you go around some, like, unexplored temples and there's some animals. Um, so, <laughs> really quite easy to fit with Indiana Jones, because you just shove Indiana Jones in front of the words Jungle Cruise and then put a little animatronic of Harrison Ford in, and then you're <laughs> done. Um, yeah, big footprint, though, I should imagine. So, yeah. it's kind of difficult to see where that would go, particularly where that would go within the um the railroad tracks although they could be moved but oh yeah I, I think that's quite a big footprint there is some water though isn't there of from adventureland when you've got the um i don't even know what it's actually called when you've got the water of adventureland near the school and uh parts of the caribbean and stuff like that obviously the bridge goes over there there is um scope to probably extend that kind of lakey area and kind of put that on there i suppose um make if you wanted to attach to that is Jungle Cruise separate to any body of water, or does it like link to anything else? This just this shows you how little I know of any other parks other than Disneyland Paris. Um, I mean, I, I think they would try to keep attractions like that self-contained so that they can sort of drain them individually if they need to. That's true. Yeah. So I think I think it would be rare that it would be attached to something else. Um, but I mean, there's always there's always things like it could be. Uh, yeah, and no, I don't think it's attached to like the rivers of. Liberty or whatever they're called in America. How boring. They could have, <laughs> they could have attached it and you could have had, instead of like a run Disney, you could have had swim Disney. Well, I mean, if you want to have a triathlon, you've got to swim somewhere, haven't you? <laughs> so you could, um, yeah, you could cycle around Autopia. You could then run down Main Street. You could then swim um, in Adventureland through some kind of little cave. And then you get lost in a temple. This is a surprisingly good idea, Andrew. <laughs> Definitely some kind of sponsored charity event. You could also you could collect the coins from the bottom of the lake at the time when you're when you're going past. <laughs> That's just an extra treat for you, is it? Right, we're on uh, Glenn Lason now um, at DLP Guest En. Just to make sure we understand they tweet in English. Uh, hi guys, it's Glenn from DLP Guest En on Twitter. This is my first response. Hello, Glenn. Say hello, Simon. Hello. Uh, I hope it gives you something to talk about. Um, now, Indy, 
I've given this attraction a lot of thought last year since it was one of the four rides open during the snow days. The waiting times are almost never that high, and that's because the wait times were a big problem at the start. Back then it only had four seats a cart, but to increase its capacity and turn it around in the Temple of Peril backwards, they added seats and removed almost all of the decorations. They had to make the cart as light as possible since another two people would add their weight to it. Um, and remember what I said about people eating donuts before. Um, this is also why they never tried to introduce onboard audio. That's something I was going to mention, actually. Um, probably compared to Rock and Roller Coaster and Space Mountain, that's something that is lacking, really, I believe, which would add another layer. You obviously have sounds, not not always, um, not all the all through the attraction, but it's something that obviously they've had to um, take any chance of any onboard audio out because of the weight and the size of the uh, the trains, but sadly missed i think in this occasion um so yeah the last thing uh, he would like to talk about the ride is um the nicely themed queue area the view you get at the top and lastly the speed and the loop the loop i mostly do this right in the morning to wake up uh, the things i like uh, the things i dislike about this attraction is the fact that you can see big parts of the ugly backstage which could easily be themed with some kind of tent over the backstage roads um, those are the roads that actually uh, when I was evacuated, that's why I had to walk on. Um, but now he says, that, yeah, you do, Glenn mentioned there about the roads and seeing backstage. You do get, I know you're going up quite high, and whenever you're on a, a high coaster uh, in the open, you are going to see other areas around it. Um, but they probably could do more, because uh, the, the roads are right next to uh, the side of the attraction, so something that could definitely be looked at. Um, he finds it also, he said he also finds it sad that they have uh, only tried Templar Peril backwards for one year. Um, I would love to experience that. The fast pass standby queue mixing point is also quite awkward if there isn't a cast member present to direct the flow of guests. To end, the attraction has had many rumours over the years, mostly because it's next to, next to one of the few DL Park uh, expansion pads. pads. Uh, but the one I currently hear about the most is that a new Indiana Jones themed dark ride will be placed in the expansion lot for the 30th anniversary in 2022. Maybe that's when Simon will visit Disneyland Paris again. And the Temple of Peril... He didn't, he didn't write that, by the way. I said that. And the Temple of Peril will be altered to go through the outside of the show building of the Dark Ride, which I think sounds pretty cool. Um, thank you for reading this email. Keep the good work, and I will hear you on the next episode. Uh, I like that idea there that it mentions. Uh, if there is a new Dark Ride, like a separate Dark Ride created, how cool would it be if they do just tweak... Uh, the current Temple of Peril a little bit just so you kind of go through a little bit of the show building that is the new attraction that would be quite cool I love it when they do things like that like the um, like the railroad going through a section of parts of the Caribbean I yeah. just, it's great when rides intersect it's just That's cool my favourite part of that um, I was gutted when they were refurbing uh, parts of the Caribbean and they just curtained it all off for most of the, the railroad because I think the um, oh what's it called I can't even remember what it's called now when you've got the um, models of the animals and stuff. There's oh, like the diorama. Diorama, that's it. Um, that was all closed off as well. So as soon as you leave... <laughs> so it's literally nothing going on. <laughs> you left Main Street Station. It's just black. Obviously, you've got Phantom Manor first. Then you've got that dias where the diorama is. And you've got nothing, nothing, nothing. Oh, there's some trees here. Oh, look, that looks like it's Temple of Peril. Oh, we're in the dark again. Um, so maybe more, I don't think we'll be doing the... Uh, the railroad episode anytime soon because my my history and my memory of that is just dark tunnels <laughs> <laughs> but yeah um i like the when it is open the parts of the academy section there when you're going through and you get to see um and you get to smell 
Pirates of the Caribbean. It's like you're on the attraction, so it's like two attractions in one. I do like that idea. It's got such a great smell. Hmm. I don't know if you've seen my tweet actually when they because they finally released the Pirates of the Caribbean uh, book that the Imagineers and the cast members in Disneyland Paris have created. Um, luckily, I got a special sneak preview of that book um, like last year sometime, and wow, it's one of those new book smells, but it's just so oh, it's hard, it's hard to describe <laughs> on a podcast. But I actually tweeted, I wish the um, the, the book should have had like scratch and sniff sections. The book itself smells really, really good anyway, but just imagine being able to scratch a bit of the, the Q line in the book and you just get the smell of the... Oh, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I, th- I think we need to revisit Pirates of the Caribbean again one day just so we I can talk so. about the smell. All about the smells. Right, uh, next up we've got Herbert, uh, who's at DLP Celebration on Twitter. Hi, Andrew. Hi, Simon. After supporting you with photos for your last episode, thank you, by the way, Herbert, which was a really great one. Thank you again, Herbert. I decided to write down my thoughts about today's topic. Indiana Jones at the Temple du Peril has a very deep emotional meaning for me. Um, But uh, for that, I had to go back to 1991 when I visited a Disney park for the very first time. It was at the Magic Kingdom in Walt Disney World with a couple of friends uh, discussing rides. I told them I would ride every attraction, current or upcoming, ever built in any Disney park. But that I would never do a coaster with an inversion. Go on to winter 1993, goes on a trip to Euro Disneyland and found this indie coaster. Of course, I'd heard about a new coaster coming to Euro Disney, but I could not gather so much information in this pre-social media and pre-internet time. So I was shocked at first sight uh, and began an inner conflict about riding it or not. But my trust in Disney won, and so Indiana Jones uh, became the first inversion ride ever. And I loved it. I won't uh, imagine if Space Mountain to the Terre à la Lune uh, would have been open before Indy. Three inversions, I think I would not have been able to do it. Hashtag bring back the moon, which Herbert says and I agree with. (laughs) Uh, And at that day, I rode Indy three times uh, because it was a really fun coaster, especially during the night time. In my opinion, it was one of the best waiting queues, so well designed and filled with archaeological props. It dragged you right into the jungle and into the adventure. Also, the Imagineers have some hidden references to the movies and looking uh, up the... going uh, up the stairs at the entrance uh, and the direct look at the loop is gorgeous and brings goosebumps. The fact that an ordinary movable coaster was used as a quick setup, the theming is great considering. One thing um, I want to jump in there and just talk about now before I forget. Um, I've, I can't remember because it must have been a long, long time ago. I've definitely seen the films but I can't really remember like the intricate little details about the Indiana Jones films. So that's why I haven't discussed these references to the movies. Now, I'm trying to think and rack my brains, but I can't really think of any references. Obviously, it is happening, and there's people out there that are probably Indiana Jones super fans. So another question from me, unless you can answer this one, Simon, what references to the films uh, is Herbert... Well, it's not even Herbert, is it? Oh, it is Herbert, sorry. Uh, what is Herbert talking about? Yeah. No, I mean, I know about roller coasters, but not Indiana Jones films. I should have really watched the films. I should have watched the films before we talked about this one. Yeah, our podcast research is slacking, Andrew. Where's your wrist? Let me slap it with (laughs) it. There we go. Ow. Move move on. That was a delay. 
<laughs> but the best thing happened a few years later when they put the trains backwards on the track. It must have been a hard job for the Imagineers as guests now viewing stuff uh, which was not meant to be seen. And it made the ride really intense. I loved this ride even more when it was backwards, uh, but can also understand why it went back to normal operations. Indeed, it scared too many guests. If I uh, get a wish for Indy granted, it would be that there were periods where the ride runs normal and when it runs backwards, maybe swapping after each maintenance closure. Just imagine how and- hard that would be. Yeah, it would be a fair amount of work, couldn't it? There'd be some kind I... of. Would there be a crane just permanently installed? I suppose that the trains could go off to the uh, station and turn around, couldn't they? I suppose. You know, um, I'd I'd like to see one tra- like of the cars, the two car trains, one car forward, one car backwards. That is true. Then you can pick which way to go, can't you? Yeah. But what two if you cues? if you will you be were they facing each other or will they be facing outwards? <laughs> Yeah, I did think of that as well. That would be a bit weird. It would, they'd probably have to be facing outwards, wouldn't they? Otherwise, <laughs> hello. That's a doing the loop here. You're just waving at your friends. <laughs> it I could be fun. They, uh, we, haven't been, we haven't talked about anyone being sick before, and I've never seen this happen in real life. But <laughs> when somebody's sick at the top of a loop, obviously, like normally, gravity takes you down, and you kind of it lands on somebody at the bottom of the loop. But what would happen if you're facing face to face and you were sick? Obviously, if you go in one way, right in the face, I don't, I don't know. It's a massive nightmare, Andrew, and I'm glad you've thought about it. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, back to Herbert, where he's not talking about vomit. Um, (laughs) uh, What he would like to see is more effects added to the ride. The Tokyo version has fire, water, and fog. Okay, well, fog is a problem at DLP. Just see the final version of Big Thunder Mountain. It barely works. And it's a shame they removed the railway sleepers. Okay, the wood became too old and needed to be replaced, but why complete removal? Uh, Has it to do with newer French security laws? I never found out, but I bet you did. Ironically, Herbert, actually, no, we didn't, and that turned into our podcast question, so sorry about that. <laughs> Completely useless on that front. Do apologise. As much as I appreciate this ride, I would exchange it immediately with the Temple of the Forbidden Eye, uh, the original ride at Disneyland, that being the Indiana Jones Adventure, or extending the coaster track so this coaster serves as an entrance to the Temple of the Forbidden Eye ride. I always wished that, the Star, that Star Tours would become the entrance attraction to Star Wars Land. Uh, if ever Adventureland gets a new attraction uh, at its expansion pad, uh, left-hand side of the Pirates of the Caribbean, uh, something has to happen to the waiting queue of Indy. Uh, maybe shorten it or renew it completely. Uh, as long as the queue is changed and it's well-themed, I'm fine with it. Magical wishes to you from Herbert. Oh, thank you, Herbert. Um, changing the queue, could we go underground? Could we go into another temple, maybe, or...? Well, certainly, if you're going to build around that area, you're probably going to need to actually enclose it so that you know you're not staring out into like the side wall of a show building. <laughs> um, so yeah, it could be yeah, it could be enclosed, or it could go. I don't know. Could they could dig underneath? If you if you're like shot on space, I know a lot of people in these billionaires in London they dig down, don't they? There's so many billionaires now that in a terraced house have a swimming pool. Uh, they've dug down, taken over half the street with a big basement. So you could easily build half the attraction underground and half the queue underground. I don't know what the cost of that would be, but... It's worth it for a good queue, though, isn't it? The only way is up or down, if you've got no space. So <laughs> there's no excuse, Disney. Get on it. <laughs> um, I like you mentioned that about Star Tours um, becoming the entrance to Star Wars Land. still feel, potentially in the future, Discovery Land might disappear in its current form, maybe, and... Would Star Wars work if there's a Star Wars land and then Star 2 is on its own in Discovery Land? I'm not sure. Um, that's again another question for another day, but having the temple as some kind of entrance, 
Uh, I know he wouldn't get everybody on it, but how cool would it be that one way of getting into the next attraction or the next part of the the land is that you have to take the the mine train on the Temple of Peril. Um, you get off at another station, maybe like the exit station, and that gives you a I don't know a fast pass uh, into the queue of the next attraction. How how cool would that be? It would be cool, and it's I mean it, it's pretty far fetched in terms of them actually doing it. But um, oh. rumours are that the new one of the new Star Wars attractions being built um, in in the two American parks, and I believe it's the one that will probably come to Paris, the Rise of the Resistance ride. Um, that's there's talk of that being like a twenty minute long thing and having sort of multiple sections to it, uh, sort of multiple different kind of uh, ride systems going on. So you never know, you know, they they could be warming to this idea of uh, you know making you know longer periods of time into kind of connected adventures you never know who knows um somebody mentioned i can't remember it was now on a tweet the other day uh, talking about potential episodes that we could talk about in the future um he listened back to oh, which one was it now i think it could have been hyperspace mountain no look i'm gonna lie basically the tweet basically talked about um uh, listening back to one of our episodes from like 2013 2014 and all of the things that we rumoured and all the things we wished for, none of them came true. And it was, <laughs> it was the, I think it was the total opposite to everything we had suggested. So um, it'd be quite interesting, whatever we suggest now in a few years' time, talking about that, look, looking at it again and going, yeah, none of that happened. <laughs> the ride was closed <laughs> down the next week. Uh, and uh, yeah, Disneyland Park was totally closed because Walt Disney Studios took all the money. Well, which we, we try our best for you guys, but clearly, <laughs> clearly, predictions are not our strong point. This is all about entertainment. That's what it's all about. That's it. Yeah. Um, I, I'm just going to read out. Uh, this is a direct message that came from uh, somebody called Simon West. Um, he goes on to say, uh, "I would like to know how you'd incorporate Café de Cascadeurs into an indie motorbike stunt cafe to save it from the Marvel menace." <laughs> and and do you have a? Do you have an idea for that? Um, I will make. It's a one... genuine question, Andrew. I will make one up right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, part of me was thinking about obviously the campsite and stuff like that. Could there be a, a trailer dumped there somehow? But then the idea that it's an abandoned camp. I don't want the cafe the catastrophe. Uh, I was going to say catastrophe. Then the cafe could. I can't even say it. My God, cafe de cascadeurs. Um, I don't want that to be abandoned and just left to rot there. So. We could have some kind of... Could the burger be themed to some kind of temple burger? So the bun's kind of like the top of a temple. The stony stonework with like a snake burnt onto the side of it or something. I don't know. Obviously, it's still cooked in exactly the same way. Um, just like we were talking about going in from one attraction into another attraction. Could the rule be that um, if you if you go through the Cafe de Cascadeur, which is now kind of some kind of in, uh, Indiana Jones stunt um, cafe could you walk through that and come out the other end with your burger in the queue line you've already got a fast pa- you've got a fast pass printed on your burger I don't know obviously I'm just going totally crazy here um, but what do you yeah. mean crazy this is very very sensible <laughs> obviously I don't think it would fit at all but we there's rumours that it will go there's rumours it will stay could it be moved um, I don't think it would be themed very well at all with Indiana Jones, to be honest. It doesn't really fit that era at all. 
I love for anyone listening to this who maybe hasn't listened to our previous podcast episode or hasn't listened to many before and is wondering why the hell we're talking about a random cafe being moved to Indiana Jones. Why, what, what's, what do these guys think about this cafe? Why are they so obsessed with this cafe? At least we're moving on from projection mapping. I know we've mentioned it already this episode, but it seems to be, even though you've never eaten there, it seems to be Café de Cascadeurs now. It's kind of taken it's, over. It, it's a big deal. <laughs> I still haven't got a t-shirt printed. I'm going to have to make a t-shirt. Especially if he closes down. If he, that's, if, the, that's the second t-shirt you've promised to make this yeah. evening. If it stays open, then it'll be a nice colourful one. If he closes down, it'll just be a black one with R.I.P. Café de Cascadeurs. That's what <laughs> it'll be. <laughs> it's a good plan. I like it. Um, don't think there's anything else we need to mention now. We've went through a lot of that stuff. Um, hashtag bring back the moon was mentioned again. Uh, it seems to be something that comes up every now and then again. Um, very important uh, that we keep the moon and we bring it back. <laughs> that could be another episode again, as we mentioned already. There's so many things that we say that never happen. Never. Actually, hang on. Go on. Hang on, hang on, hang on. I mean, to be fair, this was a really... I think it was 2014 or something that we did that episode, but I'm pretty certain I remember saying that <laughs> we thought it would get a temporary Star Wars overlay. Uh, and then we thought it would then go to a mission three. And uh, to be fair, I still I still think that we've got a temporary overlay at the minute. They just haven't announced when it's going to go. And I do think it will be replaced by mission three still. So I don't think I don't think we're leagues off. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll go with that. <laughs> <laughs> I think there was loads of. I think to be honest, every single attraction that we have now reported on. About one percent of what we have predicted has probably came true. <laughs> um, so it's probably a bad thing for all DLP fans that we've discussed the Walt Disney Studio expansion already because we basically had we one just ruined it. We went on what we went had one picture, spoke about a picture for two and a half hours, and obviously none of that's <laughs> going to come true. It's not going to be a Frozen Land. It's not going to be Star Wars Land. They're going to have bought the um, IP to Star Trek. That's what's going to go there. Um, Marvel is no more. I don't know. It's not going to be a big mountain. It's just going to be like a cardboard picture of a <laughs> of a mountain, and then we just have to deal with it. It won't be a lake. They just it just be a paddling pool. Well, if it's actually going back to actual real facts here. Um, the the river in uh, Fundamesa is probably as deep as a paddling pool anywhere. Probably is as deep as a paddling pool. Yeah. Although it looked like they the boats that were shown on the picture were like actual boats so that would suggest it would be like at least epcot level of deep the lake that is which true is, i mean I, I, it's not that deep but if you can fit a boat in it it's decent sorry well, anyway we've digressed a lot. <laughs> i was gonna say unless those boats were like model boats that you could drive around put a pound in i mean it, to be fair it was in. also an artist impression of a boat so i mean i'm not sure we should read too much into it <laughs> it was an artist impression which included like screenshots from Google Maps. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> but that's an episode from last year. So anyway, uh, let's go on to some uh, iTunes or Apple Podcast reviews. Um, we seem to have loads of these this time, so I'll start us off. Five star from S P M T C P two thousand and three from the United States of America. I'll be I'll be travelling with my family to Disneyland Paris from the US this year and I've been trying to soak up as much information as I could before we go. I've sorted through about a dozen podcasts related to DLP and found them rather dull or off-topic 
um, uh, to get in a good feel <laughs> for what's in store at the European parks. I'm so excited that I finally found a podcast that does an amazing job at describing the history, the story slash theming, and other detailed information surrounding the attractions, shops, and restaurants at DLP. Thanks so much for an entertaining dose of Disney à la Française. Been a pleasure. We Next one. We, we sorry, we haven't been off topic whatsoever in the last five minutes. Oh, we'd never do that. We'd <laughs> never do that. The uh, the the next uh, reviews a little, little bit more cheeky, should we say? It's from CJ DLP in the UK. Four stars this time. It says no. more frequent content in 2019 for five stars, please. <laughs> how, cheeky. How frequent is frequent? If we do four this year rather than three, will he give us four and a half stars? <laughs> We get it. We get like a decimal bit of a star each time. <laughs> but very, uh, yeah, I agree with that. Totally honest. Yeah. Can't argue with that one. Uh, details! Exclamation uh, mark. Five stars. Niels the Netherlands. Uh, I love deep diving <laughs> Disney. Hello. And that's uh, exactly what this podcast does. Great job. Huzzah! And uh, from Izzy Two. Four six zero one, the best DLP podcast, five stars. Me and my sister love listening to this podcast in between our trips to Disneyland Paris. The information and detail, along with the entertainment and fun provided by Andrew and Simon, helps us brighten up our days. Oh. Every episode teaches us more about some element of Disneyland Paris and gets us even more excited for our next trip. Keep it up, and maybe more frequent episodes. Ha 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 ha. <laughs> we're um, actually we're actually being trolled in our reviews. We are. This is how bad it's got for us. Somebody's We've obviously got to up our game. There must be some kind of group being put together, like a secret Facebook group, and like we're gonna troll their reviews until they do more than one episode a year. They're all um, forming up against us, Andrew. Yeah. <laughs> now I was I was quite disappointed that you didn't sing Izzy's um, number because it's a very famous number. That one. Don't know if you're into your musicals. Two, four, six, oh, one. There we go. <laughs> My pleasure. When I read that, when, I, when he came in, I wanted to do that straight away. I just thought you would have done that. I'm a bit disappointed you didn't, to be honest. We can always rewind it and do it again. Izzy, uh, two, four, <laughs> six, oh, one. I duties, my duties to the Lord. You have no right. Anyway, come with me, two, four, six. Anyway, right. <laughs> Oh, but we never digress. We never, we never, never go off topic. Never at all. That's why we got five stars. <laughs> Informative and full, fun, fun, full. Try again. Informative and fun. Five stars. Liamo thirty-seven UK. Discovered the podcast a few weeks ago, so decided to download all the episodes, and now I listen to your show while I'm out and about. I really like the information and details you guys provide about each attraction and Disneyland Paris itself. Keep up the great work. It would be great to have more frequent podcasts, but quantity, sorry, but quality over quantity. <laughs> New game shot every time someone asks us to do more frequent podcasts. There we go. <laughs> The only thing I can find near me is hand sanitizer. I don't know how much is in there. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's got a tiny fraction of alcohol in there, right? <laughs> if we if we distill it. Maybe we could get something in the end. There we go. That's definitely worth five stars, not four stars. Like we've also got <laughs> um, this one's been. Sorry, if you, if this is you, I apologise. Um, we are available on Stitcher as well, and many other podcast providers. Uh, it's taken me probably about two years to ha- to actually look at Stitcher to see if there's any reviews on there. Um, we had one, and uh, this one here it is. Uh, DLP in a nutshell, uh, five stars. Rui Diogo. Um, 
You can actually, I think you can write more than you can on Apple Podcasts because it's a big one. Uh, do you know what? I feel like with every other DLP episode, uh, DLP podcast, I always end up going, well, or oh, that's true, but, or even, oh no, I 100% disagree with that. But with this podcast, I just find myself nodding and agreeing with every single thing that is said. Another great thing about the podcast is that it actually talks about things that I haven't heard of before. I wouldn't call myself a DLP expert, but I do know quite a bit about it. So it's refreshing when the podcast mentions new stuff and stuff I haven't discovered before. The podcast hosts are amazing as well. Their voices are great and I don't... Uh, find myself falling asleep midway through their sentences basically i think i would call this the perfect dlp podcast and i highly recommend it well the, thank you that's very kind it's very good prayers um especially for this northern monkey who thinks that he doesn't speak very well at all <laughs> <laughs> what are you saying Ellie? what's your word for gravel <laughs> um shillies i think it was before shillies no idea never heard it like, we won't get it yeah my, well apparently my dad used to sit on the street corner in the 50s when he had no friends this is this is his story not mine um and he would throw shitties on the side of the road but that basically means just little stones basically anyway that's a rubbish story we digress what again again we're gonna have it's gonna be knocking down to three stars next week i think um and we won't start talking about what uh you talk well we call them tea cakes i don't know you might call them rolls bread rolls what do you call them you don't even know what i'm talking about do you what tea cakes like a bread tea cakes like a bread tea cake yeah oh well there must be a big lump in the middle of the country that don't call them tea cakes no 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 whoa, 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 whoa. i'm in i'm in the midlands i'm in the big lump the big <laughs> lump is my lump all right so we bit... call them we call them tea cakes no oh, but you know like then... tonics tea cakes right oh no with chocolate and things in the middle yeah. No, what no, I'm talking about bread. What? I'm talking about a b- bit of bread. Bread? Yeah, oh yeah. Like you That's put... not what a tea cake is, you're wrong. What, you put your burger in between? <laughs> That's a tea cake. <laughs> let's, let's, mm, let's interesting. Just... Uh, hmm. What do you call nah, it? A tea... Answer, as, tea... answer tea the postcard. Are... <laughs> I like the idea of people listening in the States. They're like, "What? what's a tea cake? <laughs> like, bread? Chocolate? What are they all about? <laughs> well... I call it a tea cake. Some people call it a balm cake. Some people call it a, a bread loaf. No, um, I don't know what to call it. Bun, bread bun. Um, hang on, hang on. When you say when you say tea cake, do you literally just mean like a bread bun? Yeah. Yeah. But no, that's not what a tea cake is, though. <laughs> <laughs> now, just imagine a, shilly, a a tea cake with shillies in. Oh, that would hurt your teeth. Blimey. Not not a good idea. Don't recommend it. So anyway, going back to this uh, episode of the Indiana Jones, uh, I was going to call it Indiana Jones podcast, but it's the magical DLP podcast all about Indiana Jones. Um, doesn't find himself nodding off. I don't think he'll agree with what we're talking about right now. Um, yeah, whoops. Um, definitely um, doesn't talk about how... It, it says uh, our voices are great. I don't think uh, that, that we can... Uh, that, uh, skimming yeah, the truth. Maybe on yours, yeah, but mine, no. Anyway, <laughs> we've got to the end of that section of the notes. Um, that means we're now ready for this page, and you can't see what I'm talking about, but here it is anyway. So the next focus of the next magical Disneyland Paris podcast will see me and Simon discussing all things Buzz Light Your Laser Blast. Let us know your opinions. Email us at podcast at magicaldlp.com 
magicaldlp.co.uk or message us on Twitter, Facebook or via our website magicaldlp.co.uk. Don't forget you can now also send in your audio opinions. Nobody ever does that, so there's no point in bothering that at all. You can record them on your mobile <laughs> phone if you want to. Um, send them in via email. You might shock us. I know a couple of people have done it in the past, and it was really, really fun to hear your voices rather than us boring people reading them for you. So if you do want to record something and send it in about Buzz Lightyear, uh, let us know. Um, If you uh, like what we're doing, don't forget to leave us a five-star review and get in touch. This podcast is nothing without you. I've just noticed... Before we sign off, actually, um, while we're still talking about uh, Buzz Lightyear... Obviously, if you've got some really good high scores, Ooh, just let to... us know. Or if you're at Disneyland Paris, um, tweet us at Magical DLP. Uh, send us pictures on Facebook of your of your scores, and then uh, yeah, we'll see if we have a little competition going. See who's see who's the best. I wonder if we could send a badge to the winner. Ooh, we'll put some high stakes on there because I think there's about I've got a box that's sitting right in front of me that's got like a hundred badges in, and I think well, I've got one. Well, I've got a hundred actually. You've got one. I've got one indeed. Uh, a few other people that I met. I think Ella Caffrell has got one as well. Um, but yeah, <laughs> there's badges here and I've got nothing else to do with them. So if anybody, uh, yeah, so send us in your high score pictures. We want proof. Uh, no Photoshop, please. We will be checking <laughs> the data in the file to check if it's been Photoshopped. <laughs> um, um, and then we may, I'm not going to say we will. This is for legal reasons. We may send you a badge. <laughs> Ooh. And I won't even ask you to pay for postage. How about that? <laughs> um, yeah, the, send us in your high scores. We like that. Uh, also, when you're talking about sending your reviews in, let us know if you've sent in a review. Uh, you can email us or anything like that, and we'll make sure we check the correct um, podcast app to read it out for you. I know a lot of people um, enjoy hearing their name mentioned. Um, I certainly did before I started getting involved in making a podcast. Um, so if you've got anything at all you want to mention, even if it's not about the episode for Buzz Lightyear, just let us know and we could ask the questions or read it out for you. Um, hopefully that'll help. Uh, so, yeah, thanks for joining us for episode 21. It's uh, Indiana Jones. It's been a great one. Um, this has been the Magical Disneyland Paris podcast. And until next time, we will say goodbye. And goodbye. Two, four, six, oh, one.